I think songwriting is the ultimate form of being able to make anything that happens in your life productive. I've never thought about songwriting as a weapon. I've only thought about it as a way to help me get through love and loss. Taylor Swift. Welcome to episode 49 of the Turn Right Podcast. I'm Gaitlin, your host. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the 10 best written Taylor Swift songs. And this is from a lyrics perspective. I love Taylor Swift for so many reasons, but it's really her songwriting ability that stands out to me. So you as a reader or a new writer who is listening to this podcast, maybe like, Caitlin, how does analyzing songwriting help me as an author? Well, I can give you a few different reasons. One, all of these songs are just snippets that you can listen to, you know, about three to five minute songs. And that's a lot easier to follow along than a book you may have never read that's 300 or 400 pages long. So really, to understand the gist of all of these pointers, it's very easy to listen to these songs if you've never heard them before. Secondly, these songs are examples of strong, vivid writing that Taylor Swift is really getting into character. She is really utilizing these storytelling abilities to a high degree, and it's just as good as a lot of books out there, if not better. So let's get into the episode. Number one, All Too Well. I really do think this is Taylor Swift's best written song of all time. It's from the Red Album. This song really reads like a movie. It's intricately detailed. It's very specific. It's a prime example of show don't tell. If you have trouble understanding that concept, listen to this song. Taylor's specific details paint a picture of a torn relationship so that we can see every moment. You used to be a little kid with glasses in a twin-sized bed. We're dancing around the kitchen in the refrigerator light. Your mama's telling stories about you and the t-ball team. We're talking about your past, thinking your future was me. These specifics allow us to envision the moment like we're right there with Taylor. And since we're directly beside her, We feel her pain too. Take the reader directly to the scene. As Mark Twain once said, bring the old lady on and let her scream. By utilizing these specific details, we take the reader directly with us. This is a fundamental piece of strong storytelling, and you really can't have a book that evokes empathy unless you are willing to be as detailed as Taylor Swift is in this song. Taylor also gets really crafty in her lyrics, and I always have an appreciation for her craft and her wit. She says, And I might be okay, but I'm not fine at all. I'm a crumpled piece of paper lying there, because I remember it all too well. The details in this song, combined with the craftiness, really sets the mood, and I love this song. I can listen to it over and over again and not get sick of it. I can listen to it over and over again and and still feel these raw emotions. Even though I've never really had a breakup like this, I still get sad and really in my feels when I listen to this song. And I think that's a hallmark of a great piece of writing when you can't exactly relate to a moment like this, but you still feel taken over by it because of how well it was executed. Number two, Betty. This is from one of Taylor's more recent albums, Folklore. I think this is really a great example of voice 
In a lot of Taylor's songs, we hear Taylor come through as an author, as a songwriter, which is fine because she's a songwriter and she does often write in the first person and she does want it to be about her own personal experiences. But in this song, we really hear the characters first and foremost. James is this kind of mysterious character that shows up on a skateboard. He's in love with Betty. Um, Kind of before Taylor talked about this song, James always gave me lesbian vibes, but I don't know, like James might be a girl. Um, And I kind of think that makes the song like juicier and better. But um, I don't know, Taylor seems to say that James is a guy. So I will, of course, go with Taylor's analysis. But then there's Betty this girl that James is in love with. Everyone's in love with Betty. She's just so cool. We want to invite Betty to the party. And then there's Inez, the town gossip. So we have all of these players in this sort of country, poppy, folksy song. And I think if this song was a genre, it'd be Southern fiction because it's kind of gossipy. It's about young love. And so why is it really so voicey? It's because Taylor is using James to talk to us directly in first person. But I showed up on my skateboard. She uses crude language like the F word. She really gets into that teenage angsty mindset. We get that it's not Taylor saying those things, but a character. So get inside the character's head. Be crude, be mysterious, be the character. Each character, even minor ones, needs a distinctive personality. When the characters are distinct, that helps us build voice. Number three, Ivy. Oh, this is such a good one. It's from Evermore, and it's definitely my favorite off that album. I think Ivy is so good because it's a metaphor that represents a relationship. And I love this technique when an author names their piece by the theme and then illustrates it fully, connecting it into the pinch and plot points. That's exactly what Taylor does in this song. We can also hear the desperation and the emotion of this song. There's big feelings here, big stakes. And the old widow goes to the stone, but I don't. I just sit and wait, grieving for the living. My pain fits into the palm of your freezing hand. The main character is talking to her secret lover. It's not her husband where her pain fits. It's a different man. And this different man fits into her life much better than her husband. He's much more compatible with the main character, except for the fact that Ivy kills other plants. Ivy, the name of the song, perfectly illustrates the theme. It takes the root of the quote-unquote dreamland. He, this guy, this secret lover, is destroying the life that the main character built, but she can't resist him. The stakes are so incredibly high in the song that I definitely, definitely need a part two. This song illustrates high stakes and a great metaphor. Number four, Treacherous from the Red Album. Similarly, this metaphor technique is used where the name of the song really illustrates the theme, this treacherous love affair. The song builds and the metaphor about the treacherous relationship can be summed up to the climax, but nothing safe is worth the drive. And we have a single sentence that sums up that song and we all kind of understand what that song means. Um, and it's a very smart metaphor that's easy to understand. It's high concept, if you will. And we all love a good driving metaphor over here on the Turn Right podcast. Number five, Invisible String. 
I always pay more attention to the words in songs, that's just how I am, but I really do think the rhythm and arrangement really make this song. I just love how it sounds, and if you don't know what I mean, give this song a listen. Syntax is essentially an author's rhythm, so don't forget that's important. Even if you're writing quick-paced fiction, high-stakes plot, you want to be aware of your word choice because that can really turn someone on or off to your book. I know for me, if I read the first couple pages of a story and I don't vibe with the author's writing style, if I think it's executed too simply, if I don't think there's enough metaphor, if there's too much metaphor, then I might actually put the story down even if I think the concept is interesting. And that's kind of how I feel about We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. I thought the concept of the story sounded really cool, but when I read the first couple pages, I thought the writing style was much too simplistic. But in this song, Invisible String, um, Taylor really uses, again, great word choice, great syntax. Give me the blues of that purple-pink sky. I love how um, each part of the chorus uses a different word choice, but it all pertains to time, as in the time of the, re- of the relationship, and we can see the relationship evolve over the song. It's kind of stylistically different from Taylor's other songs, and this really stands out to me. Despite this difference in the style, Taylor still maintains her really strong storytelling, and we learn different things about the love interest, like he used to work in a yogurt shop, Um, we learn about their dates in Centennial Park, and then Taylor also uses color as a way to further strengthen this song. Green was the color of the grass where I used to read at Centennial Park, Teal was the color of your shirt at the yogurt shop. Gold was the color of the leaves. This song is so good for so many reasons. Number six, London Boy. This is from the Lover album. And some people say this song is cheesy, but I think it's really do- it's really well done. It's the perfect amount of cutesy without being annoying. Again, I love how vivid and clever this song is. Show me a gray sky, a rainy cab ride. Don't threaten me with a good time. Taylor lists all the things she loves about America, like Tennessee whiskey and Springsteen, and then proceeds to take the audience with her on this magical date around London. Once again, we are directly experiencing things with Taylor. We're in the cab with her. We don't have FOMO because we are with her. If this song was a genre, it'd be smart chiclet. Number seven, Lover. This song is pretty simple. It's about a simple concept. And that's what we as authors need to remember sometimes. Simple can be great. It's a very familiar feeling to have a lover. Almost all of us experience something like this at least once in our lives. To be in that new phase of a relationship and realize that you can do anything you want because it's your place and you damn well can leave the Christmas lights up till January. This song works because although it's simple, it's beautifully and cleverly written. Take me out and take me home. You'll save all of your dirtiest jokes for me. Good writing can elevate even a simple plot. Number eight, You Belong With Me. This is off Taylor's sophomore album, Fearless. And You Belong With Me is really this universal feeling. We all identify with the underdog. We all see ourselves as this quote-unquote loser on the bleachers to some extent. And I think that's what really makes this song work. A humble character carries the novel well. A humble character can increase the stakes of the novel. Humble characters can learn. There's a lot of potential if you have a humble character as your protagonist. Humble characters are also very likable. 
and I know some people kind of get on Taylor because she's like shaming people in the song or whatever, but I don't see it as much as a shaming tactic, but more of as this humble kind of insecure person is maybe jealous of the other girls or just maybe feels inadequate. And that's how I see the song. I see it more as an anthem for underdogs rather than a way to shame people. Number nine, our song. This is from Taylor's very first album. It's the first song I ever heard by Taylor. And this song kind of represents a work that reminds you of childhood. Again, this is a pretty simple song, but it takes you back to first dates and living at home, telling your mama all about your first boyfriend, staying up late, talking to your boyfriend on the phone. No one does that anymore. Everyone just sends their crush TikTok videos. Am I right? Am I showing my age? I don't know. Um, Every author really does need a growing up piece in their arsenal because everyone grows up and it's relatable. It's really quite that simple. If this song was a genre, I'd be young adult. We really hear this young, innocent voice come through in this in this song. And this song is not trying to be too grown up. It's very age appropriate. And that's something else I've always appreciated about Taylor. She's kind of always kept her characters um, in their age. She hasn't tried to make them grow up too much. She hasn't put on a persona for her characters, like maybe some other artists like Miley Cyrus or Ariana Grande has done. This song is very authentic, and authenticity is really important in writing. So let your characters be themselves. Number 10, Dress. This is from the Reputation album, and this song is essentially the antithesis of our song. This is the grown-up moment that we've been waiting for. We've been following the girl in the dress for a couple series now, and we want the juicy stuff. I only bought this dress for you to take it off. And if we get burned, at least we were electrified. This song ups the stakes. I definitely want to know where this relationship is going. It's very mysterious. It's very grown up. You wouldn't want to end a book like this, but it's one of my favorite chapters in the musical genre known as Taylor Swift. So those are Taylor's 10 best well-written songs, at least in my opinion, at this point in time. Taylor is constantly coming out with new music and the list can change from time to time. But I hope this helped you as a writer. We are going to drive on over now to Indie Author Avenue, where we highlight a different indie author's work every week on the podcast. And today we are going to be talking about Seventh Generation by Steve Pretense. And again, if you want to be featured on this segment, just feel free to follow Turnright Pod on Twitter and comment on the pinned tweet. After his mother's death from cancer, Trey and his father move into the city. It seemed all his father wanted was to get as far away from the reservation as possible, forgetting their life there in the heartache of his wife's death. Sometimes it seemed to Trey his father would like to forget him too. Trey had been told by some of his teachers that he was crazy. He had never believed them and told himself they just didn't understand him and were too lazy to get to know him. After coming face-to-face with Ella, one of the little people of legend, Trey starts to believe maybe he is as crazy as they had always accused him of being. As Trey's friendship with Ella grows, his imagination becomes plagued by visions of burning rivers in a decaying world. Is it an act of imagination trying to come to grips with the death of his mother, madness, or an ancient prophecy coming to life? This story is available on both Kindle for $3.99 and paperback for $14.99, it will be linked in the show notes. And that's all for today's episode. 
As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.